Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to be talking about a fascinating subject. So let's just jump right in and welcome Richard Parker to our program today. Welcome, Richard. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Perfect. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you, and then we will jump into this. So Richard Parker is the founder of Duomo Corporation, the Business Buyer Resource Center, and he is the author of How to Buy a Good Business at a Great Price series. He has purchased 13 of his own businesses and has been an advisor and broker to small business buyers and sellers for over three decades. He has been he has written and been featured in more than 300 articles on this subject of buying businesses by places like the New York Times, Entrepreneur Magazine, and TheStreet.com. He is also a weekly contributor to Forbes Magazine. Richard was recently nominated for Inc. Magazine's Entrepreneur of the Year Award. His fascination with getting others involved in businesses started at his young age when he recruited seven neighborhood children as paper carriers, then successfully approached the local Sunday paper to grant him a master route with the idea of letting them solicit home delivery where there was none previously. So he subcontracted the other kids and took a percentage, of course, of their business. And so his career was born. The businesses have changed in 30 years, but his excitement remains. So again, Richard, how are you? And welcome to the program. Well, I'm doing great. Thank you. And and as I said before, I appreciate you having me. I don't think you had mentioned this is a podcast, potentially 949, which is unbelievable. 942. Okay, so we'll do, let's do seven of these and then we'll get this 949. So you should be, you should be congratulated. That's pretty unbelievable. Thank you. You know, you have such great information. We could do those, those others, you know, podcasts to get us to that number. Well, you know, I I just talked a little bit about how you kind of got started, Um, but tell us more about how it is that you decided that this is your passion in life. Well, I I know you alluded to um, a story that I love, and it's probably still my most uh, enjoyable one that I tell when I started a business and then, like to say, at 12 and sold it profitably at 13 Mm -hmm. and always had, I believe, always had entrepreneurial uh, blood running through my veins from a young age and always working. I come from a very lower middle class okay. background. And mm-hmm. so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't handout time. You wanted right. some extra you bucks. You had to you work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to work. There was no choice if you wanted a few extra dollars in your mm-hmm. pocket. And then when I finished um, school, high school and in two years of college, and I grew up in Montreal and there's two years of, of college, similar to a community college okay. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then you go into university and that's in Quebec, there's just three years of mm-hmm. university, unlike typical four. Mm-hmm. I completed the two years of college. I didn't go to university mm-hmm. and started working and got a had a, um, my first couple of jobs were more in sales and working mm-hmm. for family. And then I started working for a consumer products company in mm-hmm. um, 1984, which the company was growing by leaps and bounds. It was mm-hmm. doing phenomenal consumer products, toys, sporting goods, et cetera. And I was very lucky because the company was growing so quickly. I found myself in a position where we, the, the company couldn't hire fast enough. And so I had a nice relationship with the owners. The company had, was just about to go mm-hmm. public. And so I was promoted rapidly more from a, a, a more from a, a standpoint of them not having the bodies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was, I was way over my, my, I was way over my head, mm-hmm. <laughs> no question, but I was working a hundred hours a week because I was trying to learn like crazy. Mm-hmm. And I've always mm-hmm. been fascinated with learning and felt that that's because I didn't um, mm-hmm. attend university. Right. That would be my, you know, I have to learn on my kind own. Kind of the school of hard <laughs> knocks. The school of hard mm-hmm. knocks, the old grit school, right? And, and, um, and I worked for this company. I, I, for six years and became mm-hmm. ultimately became an executive vice president running a large division. Mm-hmm. And then through sheer brilliance, 
um, I don't put those in quote marks, through sheer brilliance, I bought um, stock in a company called Worlds of Wonder, which was one of the toys that we were distributing. Uh-huh. And someone told me about this wonderful idea of how you could buy stocks on margin, meaning you put up half the money to get double the stock. Right. Mm-hmm. And it sounded wonderful. And said, And when you sell the stock and stock goes up and you sell it, you at that point, right. you re- repay mm-hmm. the difference. Well, mm-hmm. that sounds terrific, except... They didn't tell me what happens if the stock goes down. If the stock and, goes down, yeah. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the stock absolutely shut the bed, pardon my French, mm-hmm. and went to, and, and I found myself at 29 years old, I lost $60,000, which was pretty much close to everything that I'd mm-hmm. saved up at that mm-hmm. point. I had first child on the way, now four children and grandchild, and um, realized that I, the only way I'm good, I love I loved my job, mm-hmm. but- um, and, and one of our division was potentially being sold. And I realized that the only way I'm going to get out of this mess mm-hmm. is I've got to put myself in a position mm-hmm. to be where I don't have any limit mm-hmm. on my upside of earnings. Like right. I could have changed jobs, but I was young. No one mm-hmm. was going to pay me a lot. I was making $72,000 mm-hmm. a year at that right. point, which was probably today's equivalent to $200,000. Mm-hmm. And no one was going to hire us 29 years mm-hmm. old. They wouldn't be right. paying me more. And mm-hmm. so I realized that I've got to get into my own business. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at the options that are available within going to your own business, either a startup or buying an existing business, a mm-hmm. startup, it became apparent to me quickly that a startup, I'm starting from ground zero. There's mm-hmm. nothing in place. Um, I'd have to sink a lot of money and I didn't have a lot of money. I had a few bucks left, not much. So I'd have to sink money into it. And you never know what's happening with a startup. Mm-hmm. When you're planning it, everything sounds wonderful, but you have nothing to base it upon. Right. And it's realize that. It's mm-hmm. oh, it's an absolute mm-hmm. guess, and and anybody who says it's an educated guess, I think, is really misleading themselves <laughs> because it's an mm-hmm. educated bet guess based upon information that you typically try to sell yourself on. Right, right. You mm-hmm. you find information mm-hmm. or people that validate your idea mm-hmm. versus getting people who challenge your idea, and so recognized that buying an existing business was probably the way to go. Mm-hmm. And I, and I did, I, I acquired a small company mm-hmm. um, that was a manufacturer's representative. And I was able to take one of the lines where I was working before mm-hmm. and bring it in there. And I ran that business it was for after about probably around six months and the company was doing okay. I still hadn't got to the point of the mm-hmm. recovering my, my income level, mm-hmm. but I was on a good path and said, you know, realize that if, if I'm going to grow this business, organic growth, while it's um, probably fun and romantic and sounds interesting and all that, that the idea of growing the business through acquisitions would make a whole lot more sense. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking at acquiring some smaller companies oh, okay. creative, creatively, <clears throat> even though I didn't have a lot of experience and going back in time, I did some pretty stupid things. Um, but I acquired companies that I could bolt onto my existing business. Mm-hmm. And I made it a rule for myself that I would live on the income of my first business so uh-huh. that I would use the second, mm-hmm. third, fourth, and any subsequent businesses to all the cash flow that it generated right, to, to put it back, it back in, rolling it back in, mm-hmm. rolling it back in and to pay down the debt for the acquisition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I acquired a number of companies um, during that period. And that took me to, to about 1996. And um, I had acquired the rights to Sega Video for Eastern Canada. Ooh. And that was just at the time that Sega flipped the market mm-hmm. share with Nintendo. They introduced mm-hmm. the Sega Genesis. I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember those ads. You go, mm-hmm. Sega, remember those mm-hmm. ads? Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. and that it had nothing to do with me. I just happened to be in the right place at the right mm-hmm. time. I had um, helped someone who was looking to acquire the line at a mass mm-hmm. scale for, for Canada. And that business exploded. My, my, um, my little business went from $2.5 million to $30 million in a little over a year. And what happened was exactly what I knew was going to happen was I started making more money than the entire senior executive level at Sega and they were mm-hmm. going to buy me out. And when I went into the agreement with them, that was one of the conditions that mm-hmm. if they wanted to take away any counts or mm-hmm. take anything over, they had to buy me out, which they did. And I decided at that point that I was tired of freezing my butt off living in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I had three young children at the time and relo- wanted to relocate and I moved to, to Florida. And shortly after I got here, I was involved in one short-term venture. And then I started looking at acquiring businesses again. And I probably at that point acquired eight or nine of them mm-hmm. and said, I'm going to, and I, I'd sold them before I mm-hmm. left Canada mm-hmm. and said, I'm going to um, look to acquire a business down here in, in uh, Florida mm-hmm. and started looking at one particular company, a distributor in commercial uh, laundry equipment, Maytag washers, dryers for laundromats, dormitories, condominiums, et cetera. And this company had the distribution rights. They had um, parts and inventory, they had repair and um, struck a deal with the owner. It was a very good deal. Um, at that early on, as mm-hmm. far as the uh, terms and conditions were concerned, got very immersed in the due diligence. 
and realized quickly in, in my due diligence as I dug deeper was the company, it was, it was somewhat of a house of cards. I'm not suggesting there was fraud going on, but mm-hmm. the owner had several entities. One, the entity went from taking the revenue from one, paying bills in the other. Ah. Employees, employees that were working for one were getting paid by another. And it was just that's like a, a plate of spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it's tricky. And it was, a, it was really a plate of spaghetti. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I realized, the, the only thing I could figure out was that I'd never be able to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so I advised the owner that I was not going through with the purchase. Mm-hmm. And, and I could, I remember it like it was yesterday when I walked out of the, uh, the business because I was doing some on-site due diligence. Mm-hmm. I remember standing in the parking lot and saying to myself, you know, the average schmuck would have bought that business. Mm-hmm. And not because I'm that smart. I've just been doing it for a while. Right. I was able to because know where the Because it looked like are. a good deal. Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. ex- exactly. That's mm-hmm. why I'd gotten to that mm-hmm. point well into the due diligence, mm-hmm. purchase agreements in place. Um, I'd spend money on mm-hmm. attorneys and accountants. And only because I had done this so many times mm-hmm. before and looked at so many companies that I was mm-hmm. able to determine mm-hmm. where I should be looking and also mm-hmm. determine what I couldn't determine. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And and it got me so intrigued about this whole market and world of buying businesses. Like, what does the average person do who's mm-hmm. looking to acquire a business that right. doesn't have my level of mm-hmm. expertise mm-hmm. at that point? And I, I was lucky financially. I was in very good shape. And I said, I'm going to take some time off to really search the market. Mm-hmm. I spent a year doing research. This mm-hmm. is back in 2000 and, and 2001. So it's mm-hmm. not like the inf- uh, the internet was as developed as it right. is now. So it's good old-fashioned roll it to sleeves, get mm-hmm. dirt on your fingernails mm-hmm. research. But I investigated you know, um, business owners who would acquire businesses spoke to hundreds mm-hmm. of business brokers, um, managed to through, through online and, and other resources speak to, uh, well over a hundred prospective mm-hmm. uh, business buyers who never completed a transactions, uh-huh. others who had some mm-hmm. who had done well, some who had gone South mm-hmm. and did, and what I, and, and, and read every book on the mm-hmm. subject. And what I realized is there was really no good resource Mm -hmm. for anyone who's looking to acquire a business Mm -hmm. for themselves to be operational and wanting to understand the process. And one Mm -hmm. thing I learned along the way is a statistic, which has not changed over the years. When I say not changed, it's gotten slightly worse, Mm -hmm. is that over 90% of the people who begin the search to buy a business never complete a transaction. And so I decided over the years, I had taken incredible notes in every Mm -hmm. deal, um, Everything that I thought of doing, what happened, what was the outcome as a result of the outcome? Mm-hmm. What did I do? If they said this, what did I say? <clears throat> if there was this type of business, how I conducted the investigation, mm-hmm. very, very uh, terrific notes with a stack of files like this mm-hmm. deep from mm-hmm. all the businesses I looked at. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try to help people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take everything that I've learned right. at that point in my life and I want to put it into a program that is really going to help people take them mm-hmm. by the hand right. and help them buy a business through all of the steps, teaching them what they need mm-hmm. to know, what to do and how to do it. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I learned through all of my research and my own experience was even though there were some books and a little bit of information and some brokers and advisors, mm-hmm. no one, there was no hand holding for them. Right. Right. No. And, and, so and I, no soup to nuts <clears throat> type of, of thing. Zero, zero. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was a case of saying, you know, all I want to do is help people. And even mm-hmm. I, so I, I, I wrote everything up into a course, broke mm-hmm. down the buying process into the mm-hmm. 23 steps, walked people through the, every mm-hmm. step of what they need to know and do and how to do it. And said, when I go, I'm going to put this course online. And when I do so, my only goal is to help people. I mm-hmm. never thought it was going to turn into business. I've told this story thousands of times mm-hmm. where my wife, wife asked me the night before we launched, how many think you're going to sell? And I said, you know what, if I sell one, Right. If you have one person, mm -hmm. I help one person buy the right Mm -hmm. business or avoid buying the wrong one. It's good enough Mm -hmm. for me. And we um, put online and here we are a number of years later with Mm -hmm. lots and lots of updates over the years. Oh yeah. The resources you have are are amazing. Thank you. And we sold over a hundred thousand copies and, and helped tens of thousands Mm -hmm. of people acquire businesses. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's the most gratifying work that I've Mm -hmm. ever done. And um, 82%, unlike the 90% that mm-hmm. I learned about, 82% of our clients who use our course mm-hmm. and, and, and our support mm-hmm. by a business within six months, I make myself available mm-hmm. to people free of charge. Mm-hmm. I send a reply to emails or get on the phone. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's been an unbelievable journey. And parallel to that, I did a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, I did some more acquisitions mm-hmm. for myself. I was involved with the Dalio family office for mm-hmm. four years in um they were. I, they hired me and I was involved as a partner mm-hmm. to mentor one of their sons to buy businesses. Mm-hmm. And so here we are, lots of years later, and mm-hmm. um, constant updates, and and have uh, right. helped a, mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of people. Mm-hmm. And feel you know, it's so gratifying. I love it. You know, it is a little ironic that you started a business 
to tell people how to buy businesses. Crazy. Um, you know, and and but you know, I I just love that. And and but more than anything, it shows that you are knowledgeable in so many areas. Um, you know, because you know, you know, what it's like to start a business. Um, you know, and and all of those things. But you know, it was it was so interesting when I was reading your book and and you know, folks, this is not a sit down and read overnight book. I discovered that because it's over 500 pages long because it's not a book to be doing that. It is it is walking you through the process of of buying a business. And so, you know, it's not like I said, it's not sit down and read it, um, but so much great information in there. And, you know, so I'm going to, you know, kind of kind of pick some things out that that I learned from it. You know, one of the big things that you really talk about are the Ten Commandments of buying a business. Well, wait a minute. Let's let's take a step back first, because I, you know, on my program, we do have a lot of people who are starting a business. They've got this fabulous idea. They got laid off. They had time during COVID. All of those things, and they think I'm going to start my own business. And so that's a lot of what we talk about. You know how to how to do it legally. You know this. You know all of those steps that you need to take, but there really are incredible benefits to buying an existing business, because a lot of that stuff at the very start, I think, is why so many small businesses fail. You know, they they didn't set it up right legally, or they didn't find the right CPA, or wrong employees, or all of those various things. And buying an existing business, all that's already been done. Um, you know, and and so talk to us a little bit more about why, you know, it is just and we're still gonna have people who start brand new businesses, but why is it so advisable and maybe even preferable to to buy an existing business? So there's there's a, a, a couple of things there. First of all, I, I want to thank you for reading the material because that's um that makes this conversation um all the more meaningful, I believe. So that's, I, again, I, I appreciate notes. it. I took and, notes. Yeah, I and, yeah. No, I know that. And, and you know, one of the things you mentioned, it's not an overnight read. That's why I call mm-hmm. it a program or a right. course, because mm-hmm. it really is that, not to be intimidated mm-hmm. with them, either one of those words. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to this idea of starting versus buying. Mm-hmm. And if someone is in a situation where it's a, ma- it's a matter of capital mm-hmm. or it's a bit of a side hustle or whatever, mm-hmm. they want to start mm-hmm. something that's great. But I think what you sp- said specifically, as far as all the things that they, they, that they don't have that mm-hmm. aren't in place are all the right. reasons why I don't think starting mm-hmm. versus buying. And I've seen it, mm-hmm. it you know, repeatedly over mm-hmm. decades. When you start a business, nothing is in place. I mean, right. you don't even have paper clips. Mm-hmm. You don't have any, everything sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. Everything sounds terrific. You can convince yourself of, of, of anything, what the business is going to turn into, right. but you don't have anything in place. You don't mm-hmm. have anything in place. Right. I've also learned that, you know, the, the plans that you have, revenues typically come in twice as slow and expenses at least twice mm-hmm. as twice, twice mm-hmm. as twice the amount mm-hmm. with buying an existing business. And if you, when buying an existing business, all the things that you try to solve for when starting a business are already in place. Mm-hmm. And all the things you wrestle with, with starting a business mm-hmm. are already in place. Right. You've got employees, you've mm-hmm. got customers, you've got mm-hmm. revenue, you've got profits when right. you do it right. You, you have got the so, legal you, you suppliers, you've mm-hmm. got the legal groundwork, you have the, the professionals that you may not, you may choose to keep them may, mm-hmm. or not, but there's accountants, there's attorney, mm-hmm. you understand the entity, you understand the market, mm-hmm. you know who the competition is, you know what the industry looks mm-hmm. like. And so when you take a look at the cost of that, and I show mm-hmm. people how to do this in a way that it's not, this is well within anybody's reach. Mm-hmm. When you add this up over the course of a couple of years, and I think the number is like, you know, uh, I think over the course of five years, 96% of all mm-hmm. businesses fail. I mean, there's sometimes I hear numbers from 80 to 96, mm-hmm. but whatever it is, right. the numbers are astronomical. Mm-hmm. And so you take the cost of those startups mm-hmm. relative to the cost of what you have to put down on a business and mm-hmm. what you can leverage. In the end, I believe that you wind up at least the same mm-hmm. or, or ahead. Right. Okay. As far as actual mm-hmm. dollars are concerned mm-hmm. and you, you have a, f- a, f- a flourishing business. Right. And the mm-hmm. other thing with buying an existing business, when you do this the right way, okay, the, it's very simple. You get the keys to the place on Monday mm-hmm. and you can take a paycheck on Friday. Ah. And that's not an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. And you do not do that when you're starting your own business. You God knows when you're getting a paycheck, mm-hmm. if ever. Mm-hmm. And if in mm-hmm. 20 to, you know, and, and if you're lucky, uh, but one of the 20 or 6% that succeed, mm-hmm. who knows when that happens, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, there's, you 
this is not a case where I could say, well, I could be the lawyer on either side of the table related to the argument. Mm -hmm. The argument isn't close. Right. If you are able to buy an existing business, Mm -hmm. it's like running a marathon and you're starting out at the starting gate as a startup business Mm -hmm. and you buy an existing business, you're at mile 20. Right. And you're in shape. And, and you're in shape. All of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you do it really well, you're at mile 26. Mm-hmm. Right. So so there's ready, no... Almost ready to cross the finish line. You're almost ready to cross the finish line. So, you know, there's things that you, you're going to want to mold with the business. You want to mm-hmm. put your stamp on it, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But there, you're so far down the road and people generally look to start or, uh, or business or get into entrepreneurship to either replace or generate an income. Mm-hmm. If right. that's the goal, and that by and large that is, mm-hmm. if that's the goal, well, why wouldn't you want to get into a scenario where you can generate an income in a week? Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, and one of the things that fascinated me, you know, and and like it's your book just walks people through the process, you know, which is why we said it's it's lengthy. But the 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 first thing is to figure out what you want. And what I loved was that you said, you know, just because this is something you have always done, that might not be actually the business you get into. So, you know, for somebody who is, you know, say they've been an insurance salesman and they think I'm going to buy an insurance business because that's my knowledge. Their knowledge is so much different than just that, um, you know, and 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 maybe they have all of these other interests. And, and, and I love that concept because I don't think I think a lot of people think I know this, so I must buy that. And, right. you know, and, and they don't stop to think, you know, and 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 I love, you know, it might be that it, it might not be the sexiest business in the world, but it might be the more profitable one, um, you know, things like that. So talk to us more about those concepts. Okay, so. The, the overarching thing to that is as follows. Experience is not expertise. Mm-hmm. Experience is what you did. Right. Expertise is what you're good at. Mm-hmm. And so, the, and, and it is much easier to mm-hmm. learn an industry mm-hmm. than it is to become proficient mm-hmm. at a critical skill. Right. So with those things said, mm-hmm. when you, the example used mm-hmm. in the insurance business the experience is within insurance industry, but the expertise more than likely is sales. Right. Yeah. You are the you are the person that goes and builds those relationships. Correct. And so your skill set is sales. Mm-hmm. Your skill set is not insurance. That's mm-hmm. your experience. Now, mm-hmm. if you can find something in insurance mm-hmm. that marries that skill set, great. You're a little right. further ahead. Mm-hmm. But it's it's Alert an industry you can learn. The, mm-hmm. the critical thing is, and what I tell people, and this is everything as it relates mm-hmm. to buying a business, whatever it is that you do best mm-hmm. has to be the single most important driving factor of the revenue and profits mm-hmm. of any business you mm-hmm. consider purchasing, because for everything else you can hire. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at that, um, as far as what type of business is right for you, that's everything mm-hmm. because you can do a marginal job on the other 22 steps right. of the business mm-hmm. buying process. As long as you get that right, mm-hmm. okay, you're going mm-hmm. to be okay. Right. So conversely, there's, if you buy a good business and you're the wrong person to mm-hmm. run it, that business is going out of right. business pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. And so it's critically important that not only the uh, people understand how to drill down mm-hmm. and learn and I teach people exactly mm-hmm. how to do this, how to determine what is that greatest skill set, mm-hmm. but to understand the delineation between experience and expertise mm-hmm. that you can't even conjugate the two. Right. They're completely, right. um, mm-hmm. completely separate mm-hmm. and unique. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is, you know, you mentioned hiring to fill those deficits of, of your knowledge, your, your experience. You know, we don't expect that we can go on YouTube and know how to do our own open heart surgery or even change our oil. We hire that done because we don't have that experience or that expertise. Um, you know, and and so the wisdom teaches us that what we don't know, we should hire out. Now, some of it we learn, right? Um, and and that's perfectly fine. And some people think that's the greatest thing in the world. Um, but you know, others, you know, like my producer, my producer for this program is the master coordinator. She takes care of the scheduling. She contacts all the guests. I could do that. I've done that before in the past. I don't like doing that. (laughs) And she does. So, you know, it's, it's allowing me to do what I want to do and it's allowing her to do what she's good at. 
Right. Well, there's a couple of really important points there, which is, you know, when you talk about the YouTube or people looking at things, as long as you're smart enough to know that that is not necessarily good right. information, right? Because mm -hmm. you want a believable party. When we talked about hiring for everything, mm -hmm. the beauty of buying an existing business mm -hmm. is those people are in place. Right. And now mm -hmm. some of them may not be perfect. So mm -hmm. you can, you know, move people around and bring on new people, but by and large, those mm -hmm. people are in, are in place. But as far as, um, you know, the, the knowledge base and understanding mm -hmm. what you need, that's such a, such a critical piece mm -hmm. to all of this is making sure that you acquire the knowledge, right? right in mm -hmm. order to do this successfully. Mm -hmm. And the example that you gave someone looking from the outside at your podcast mm -hmm. business would say, well, um, you know, high, getting in touch with guests, soliciting guests, making sure they're the right mm -hmm. people, understanding their background, making sure they're the right for the show, that they got good personality, mm -hmm. whatever the criteria may be. Well, that's, you know, that, that's, that's the most important thing related mm -hmm. to the business, but it's not. What's the most important thing for the business is you and your personality, right. because no matter how good your mm -hmm. um, uh, your producer is, and I'm sure she's fantastic mm -hmm. at getting the guests and getting mm -hmm. it coordinated and organizing the schedules. If you're not terrific, if I can't job, carry on these conversations, you have, right? You won't have mm -hmm. the 942 shows. You're lucky mm -hmm. to have two because mm -hmm. no one's going to listen to the third right. one. Mm -hmm. And so that's a perfect example mm -hmm. of when someone's looking at a business is what is the driver? The mm -hmm. driver of the business is what drives the revenue and mm -hmm. profits. In your case, and I'm not sure if you how or if you monetize this, but what drives your business mm -hmm. is your personality. Mm -hmm. So if I'm coming in to buy the business, mm -hmm. I have to make sure if I'm going to be the owner operator mm -hmm. that I can, I can, you leave your chair, I come into your chair, I sit down in mm -hmm. your chair and I could do what you do right. because your producer can mm -hmm. keep doing what she does mm -hmm. and effectively. Mm -hmm. And if something, if, if she decides that she's going to do something else in her career and moves on or for whatever reason, mm -hmm. um, you have to replace it. It won't be easy, but mm -hmm. that is re that is mm -hmm. more replaceable. Right. And hopefully you you don't have a fight. Oh no, no, we don't out. replace her. She doesn't <laughs> go anywhere. No, no. Right. I want to be careful going down this road. But you understand <laughs> that conceptually right. yeah. that the, mm -hmm. the tasks and it may take two people to replace mm -hmm. her, but right. it can be replaced mm -hmm. versus replacing what what the driver mm -hmm. of the business is in that right. view. Right. You know, and you do have those important employees when you're buying another business. And and you know, we're assuming that we're we're buying a business, like we said, that has employees, that has those things. Um, and one of the things, and, and you talk about this in the book, is to figure out who those important people are and, you know, and, and making sure that they stay. Because, you know, that's, we've, we've all seen it happen where, um, you know, the, the business sells and, and for whatever reason, you know, the people are like, nope, I'm, I'm out of here too. Now, maybe they were just so committed to that owner that they don't want to work for anybody else, you know, and, and that's fine. Or they might be family, right? A lot of businesses, you know, and, and all those things. But part of the due diligence that you talk about is figuring out who all those key players are and actually talking with them. And I love that, that you do that. Because in many cases, the business owner is like, no, no, you are not. You're not going to talk to my people. I, I, you know, this, we're just going to have this as a surprise for them. That never goes well. <laughs> no, it never, no, it, it doesn't end well. Well, it mm -hmm. ends because it ends on a bad right. note. Yeah, because <laughs> they felt betrayed, you know, all sorts of uninformed things. and mm -hmm. what have mm -hmm. you. There's a couple of ways to look at this. When there's key employees mm -hmm. in a business, meaning those are individuals mm -hmm. that are requisite to keep the business right. successful. Mm -hmm. And that might be have, like your head salesperson correct. or, or yeah, wh whatever it is, but yeah. Whatever they may be, mm -hmm. but they're, they're deemed mm -hmm. to be key people. Mm -hmm. And they may be someone who holds a license that's integral mm -hmm. to, the, mm -hmm. to, the, to the business. You have to meet with them. And if the seller doesn't want you to meet with them, mm -hmm. so sometimes you have to keep that as the last contingency mm -hmm. to right. the deal. They yeah. give you verified all the financials, mm -hmm. the leases, the, all the other stuff. And that's the last contingency mm -hmm. where you can walk out of the deal. Mm -hmm. And I've had it recently where mm -hmm. advised the client, we kept that as the last contingency. Mm -hmm. So that 48 hours before closing, they can mm -hmm. have a sit down with the employee. Mm -hmm. And if the seller doesn't allow that to happen and there are key, key employees, it's very simple. You can't buy the business. End right. of story. End yeah. of story. Mm -hmm. And if you try to convince yourself that you're mm -hmm. going to be okay, well, you may be, mm -hmm. but you're taking a massive risk. Right. So the seller needs to understand that, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, without this individual on board, mm -hmm. now the seller can't bind them, but without mm -hmm. me knowing where they, where they stand, mm -hmm. okay, I can't move forward. Now, mm -hmm. one of the other things to, to understand is, sure, sellers don't want to get the word out. And 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 if you do this uh, carefully and all the parties are as uh, mm -hmm. hold things dear to their best, mm -hmm. you could really protect this. this right. Yeah, because they're thinking mm -hmm. we're going to lose clients and customers. Right. They're going to think the fair. business is falling. 
Right. Which is, you know, the, so there, so the ways to look at that are as follows. If it's true that the business is going to collapse when the owner leaves. Then right? you don't want to buy it. Amen to that. <laughs> That's exactly it. Okay. They're irreplaceable and you don't want that type of mm-hmm. business. You can, you have to meet with key employees mm-hmm. and the employees, what, what sellers need to understand, the employees are actually, their jobs are safer with a new owner than an old owner. Mm-hmm. Because the new owner knows nothing. They don't have any right. history with you them. Need They're them. totally dependent on them. <laughs> the current owner knows all their baggage mm-hmm. and all their problems right. and all their, their all their mm-hmm. weaknesses. Whereas a new owner coming in, they want to take care of everybody. They need all the people. Right. They, it's, it's critically important. Mm-hmm. And so the, the overarching rule to all of this is key, determine who the key employees are mm-hmm. and don't delude yourself. I mean, if you're talking about, for example, buying a commercial landscaping business, mm-hmm. you don't need to meet with the person who, who runs the lawnmower. Right. You need to meet with the team, you know, mm-hmm. with it, with the, um, uh, the team foreman mm-hmm. or the, or, or the mm-hmm. manager, but you don't need to speak. And I'm not to being demeaning to the individuals right. that are cutting the grass, mm-hmm. but you can hire those people mm-hmm. all day long. Right. You need to speak with the manager at mm-hmm. the appropriate time. And mm-hmm. if the seller won't allow that to happen, then you cannot move forward on the business. Mm-hmm. Similarly, if the business has too many key people mm-hmm. that you as a new owner mm-hmm. Cannot take a, take on their roles. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to think really hard mm-hmm. about whether or not you're the right person to operate mm-hmm. this business. Because if you don't have the know-how of all mm-hmm. those people and right. some of them start to leave, you don't even know how to mm-hmm. hire them. And mm-hmm. so if there's too many of those, mm-hmm. if a business is too highly specialized, and especially at the, your, your first acquisition, mm-hmm. you want to keep it simple if at mm-hmm. all possible. If it's too hard to figure out all these right. things, it's probably too difficult a mm-hmm. business for you to own, at least mm-hmm. at this stage. Right. Well, and you're going to be so consumed with trying to figure out all of those moving parts yes. that you're not going forward and you're not being, you know, whatever it is, the, you know, maybe you're the rainmaker, maybe you're whatever it is, because yeah, you're, you become more of the manager as opposed to the owner. Yes, correct. That's exactly the case. And, and being able to, and you, you know, you're able to, you, you do a terrific job distilling it down by the way. Um, and, and, and that's exactly what yeah. happens. Right. Well, you know, the other thing that that I found very interesting is you talk about, and obviously it depends on the business, but to some degree, keeping the former owner involved in some way. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people assume, you know, check is cut, they give you the keys, they're gone, they're out the door, you never talk to them again. But yeah. talk to us about why in in some cases... It's very important that they're still kind of around for a while. And it could be for, for a number of reasons. It could be to um, uh, provide some level of comfort with, with customers or mm-hmm. su- customer suppliers and employees. Mm-hmm. Potentially, it could be that just cosmetic. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the most important thing is you need to un- learn the business from them. Right. Mm-hmm. And what they do every day, because mm-hmm. for the most part, we talked about it earlier, you're becoming an owner operator. They mm-hmm. leave, you take their chair. And so having them around, at, mm-hmm. I mean, keep in mind at the beginning, you get to the keys to the place. You don't even know how to turn off the alarm. Right. And so, literally. And so mm-hmm. li- oh, literally. And, mm-hmm. and I know the word literally is way too over. But yeah, days, no, but, in this case, yeah. But it, it applies or, here. Or more importantly, how do you turn the coffee maker on? For me too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me too. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you because I would, I turn on the coffee machine before I get the alarm. Mm-hmm. And so you want them to. Because you want to learn what they do every day. Right. Now, the transitional period is something you negotiate during the contract. Mm-hmm. And the way I like to do it is, is as follows. I like to negotiate the longest possible free transition period possible. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, and depending on the size of the mm-hmm. business or, you know, um, in the very low end, sometimes that could be a few weeks, a couple of months, mm-hmm. whatever. And then I always like to negotiate the option to keep the seller on board, even in a consulting capacity yeah. to pay okay. them for mm-hmm. a longer transition. Mm-hmm. Now understand one thing. I will negotiate that and mm-hmm. teach my clients to negotiate that, but you're not going to want them there that long. Right. You just want the comfort. If, mm-hmm. if you need them mm-hmm. there, right. they will be there for mm-hmm. that period of time. But the goal is to learn the business mm-hmm. as quickly as you mm-hmm. can and get them the hell out of there mm-hmm. because right. it's your business and now you right. want to leave your mark on it. Right. And sometimes a seller can, you know, there could be some undue influence by mm-hmm. having them still there. Especially right. yeah. People default to, to talking to them. Um, they I think remember, they're the boss. Yeah. yeah. I was exactly. on a board of a nonprofit and our, our um, executive director resigned, but she wanted to stay on as kind of a consultant. 
And now she had been with this nonprofit since literally the very beginning. And so her knowledge about it was incredible. But the problem was when we hired the new executive director, people didn't even talk to him. They just, they were so used to dealing with her. They just kept going to her. And she did not say, you need to be talking to Richard. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm no longer in that role. She just kept going merrily along serving as the executive director. And, you know, and, and there was no ill will intended. I mean, it was just an, and, and same thing with, you know, if the employees had a question, had a problem, they went to her, they were used to going to her, um, you know, and, and we all as the board finally had to wish her well. <laughs> you know? right. And yeah. um and and it did change pretty drastically with what we did because the new executive director made it theirs, which is Absolutely. what the, you know what should happen. But but yeah, you know it's 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 nice to have them as kind of that mentor, but they sold the business for a reason. <laughs> Correct. And they're you know what yes they're 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 a mentor. They're actually, mm-hmm. I, I define it a little differently. I look at them as a resource, a source of right. information mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. um, and, and to the, some of the points that you mentioned from the get go, and we provide in the course, mm-hmm. a complete Q and a that you want to go, mm-hmm. you know, present to the employees, right. such mm-hmm. things about, are you planning mm-hmm. any changes? Is mm-hmm. my job going to change? Are my benefits mm-hmm. going to change? Right. Is anybody getting fired? About. That's mm-hmm. what they care about. Is anybody getting fired? Is any, are, is the company relocating mm-hmm. all of these important things mm-hmm. that you need to be prepared with mm-hmm. in advance right. because you don't want to make any changes mm-hmm. and having the, you know, you have to set the rules from the beginning mm-hmm. with the employee saying, I'm the, you know, I'm the new owner. And, mm-hmm. and if the owner starts to interfere at the beginning, you tell them in a very nice way mm-hmm. that don't answer those questions or, mm-hmm. and, no, I, I recommend not I recommend urge that mm-hmm. at the beginning you share an office with the owner. They don't right. you don't take a separate office. Mm-hmm. You move mm-hmm. your butt that way you know what's going on. What's go- what's going on, and you're listening to any conversations. You may have the, the their level of involvement varies, right. but if they have any sidebar conversations mm-hmm. with any of the employees, any of the suppliers, any of the customers, it's mm-hmm. timeout. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if there's too many events of those, mm-hmm. then you've got to get rid of them immediately. Mm-hmm. Now, I have found over the years, if you follow my prescription for mm-hmm. how you deal with these situations mm-hmm. during transition, rarely does a problem happen. Right. Similarly, you also want to be aware that some employees are going to come to you and say, you know, Bob, mm-hmm. homie, I'm getting a $20,000 raise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, you, so what you tell, well, go see Bob and yeah. he'll write you the check mm-hmm. or yeah. because it's, it's blackmail, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The odd time it's true, often it's not. Mm-hmm. And so you say, mm-hmm. okay, well, let's go see Bob together right. or let's go call Bob. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, those mm-hmm. are the type of things that are very important mm-hmm. to cut the umbilical mm-hmm. cord between the, right. the business mm-hmm. and the former owner, mm-hmm. whether it be employees, suppliers, mm-hmm. customers, et cetera. Yeah. And it can be done if you do this in a methodical mm-hmm. way, the same way you know, you did with the executive director. Mm-hmm. She probably, her heart was in the right place. Mm-hmm. She wanted to do well, but she mm-hmm. couldn't remove herself from the mm-hmm. equation. And so those type of things, it's a matter of you get the, you got to, mm-hmm. you got to get them out of there. And it's, mm-hmm. and the same with employees. The goal is you, if there's any employees that are not right, you got to mm-hmm. get the wrong, as mm-hmm. you know, there's a great book called good to great where they mm-hmm. talk about, you get the wrong mm-hmm. people off the bus, get the right. right people on. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously there are times where the employee has their loyalty to that owner. For whatever reason, um, yes. you know, and and if they can't transition to the new ownership, then, you know, you do wish them well. You know, what can we do to help you with that transition? Goodbye um, and good luck to you. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes it needs to be don't let the door hit you on the way out. But, yeah. you know, you you know, if possible, you try and make it. You, you try know, to do it nicely yeah. and respectfully. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, but yeah, you know, and and, you know, and, and we've seen that happen where. We and you know even not even ownership maybe it's a new manager a new CEO new whoever that's in charge we get the that's not the way we've always done it correct you get that all the time and mm-hmm. it's some, sometimes the case if you just swallow you mm-hmm. you take a step back and you think about it because the reality and very often the case mm-hmm. is well just because you've been doing it for X amount right. of years doesn't mean you've been doing mm-hmm. it the the right way right. Um, mm-hmm. and or the other options mm-hmm. and so you you have some of that friction mm-hmm. it's not. If you do this the right mm-hmm. way, a good way, you mm-hmm. plan for it, you mm-hmm. you you strategize and, and and I teach people about mm-hmm. the transition and post-purchase priorities and, and the way mm-hmm. you should go about doing this and all of your due diligence, mm-hmm. the way you lay out your due diligence mm-hmm. and whom you whom you meet with and mm-hmm. and what you discuss during those meetings and mm-hmm. what your research is compiled. The incidents that you know we're talking about here are you are reduced drastically. Right. They are clearly mm-hmm. the exception and not mm-hmm. the norm. Right. You know, and to me, it's all about communication. 
Yes. You know, you have to have laid it all out, which, you know, that's, that is probably, you know, and, and I'm totally guessing here, you know, you mentioned at the start that 95 or 90% of the people who buy a business, you know, it just, it doesn't work. No, no, and, no. 90% oh, they, of the people they don't, try they, they don't even make it. Yeah. They don't, yeah. don't, com- don't complete a transaction. And, yes. you know, and, and I think that's probably because of the communication issues and, and all sorts of things. Or yes. more importantly, they have bought the business. And it it's not successful because not, right. they, the they didn't yeah. lay things out. Um, you know, the new employee or that the old employees didn't know what to expect. The old customers didn't know what to expect. You know, it's just it really is. And people are okay. You know, I've been doing corporate communications for a very long time. People are fine with you saying, "I don't know, but we'll figure it out." Oh, absolutely. You know, and, the and, you second know, you try and gaslight and all that, no. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> and, you know, we're, you know, as we're talking about some of this, you know, really, when you do this in a good way, mm-hmm. the incidence of bad outcomes mm-hmm. are really, right. really small. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of buying mm-hmm. an existing business mm-hmm. because all these things are known. Right. And mm-hmm. so the issues related to the employees, the transition, mm-hmm. um, how things are going to work uh, mm-hmm. uh, afterwards, and of mm-hmm. course, all the things that you need to do along mm-hmm. the way to get to that point, mm-hmm. you 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 solve for that in a right. really mm-hmm. really good way. Mm-hmm. Um, when when you address, you know, when you have the knowledge and the understanding mm-hmm. of how you how how to go mm-hmm. about that. So you know, I don't, uh, you know, I never want to. I, I, it's important for me when I for and our for our clients to mm-hmm. understand. Here's the issues that can happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So you need to be aware of mm-hmm. these, and you need to have right. your solution in your holster mm-hmm. because you may have to mm-hmm. remove it, right? And right. and 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 deal with. It. So that mm-hmm. so that's important. Mm-hmm. But when you go about the process in an effective, mm-hmm. um, thoughtful manner, with with knowledge mm-hmm. as your basis, mm-hmm. these uh, issues that sometimes. Mm-hmm people perceive as catastrophes, mm-hmm. they actually, you can reduce right. them to incidents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, because you were prepared for it. You were prepared, correct. Yeah. Now, of course, the other big thing with all of this is money. You know, and and you talk in your book and, and you've got a lot of great resources on how to finance this. You know, you don't have to write the check for $100,000 yourself or all of those things. And, and I love that. Because I think so many people think it's expensive, um, yeah. you know, and, and, but the other thing that, that of course piques my interest is it's not like you drive around and there's for sale signs out there, right? Now, I mean, every once in a while, you might see like a, a small business, you know, that, that might, you know, this business for sale, but yeah, it's, you know, and, and so finding those, you know, and, and, and we'll get to that in a second. Well, actually, let's do that now. So how do you even find businesses that are for sale? Okay. So I know I just, I do want to touch upon the question related to financing mm-hmm. and, and we'll get into that in a second, mm-hmm. but I want to assure your listeners, you could do this for a lot less money than you think. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the big things that it people should be. are scared about it should is be. they think it's going to cost so much. And then they actually discover there's a lot of different options and opportunities. There's a lot of different options mm-hmm. and opportunities. Absolutely. So finding businesses, there's this, you have to look at this like a funnel. Mm-hmm. And because you have a lot of publicly listed businesses for sale on various mm-hmm. websites, which are for the most part controlled by business brokers mm-hmm. and only business brokers only sell 10% of all businesses. Mm-hmm. And on those publicly listed businesses right. for sale, 75% of those businesses don't sell. So while it's a good place to start, understand mm-hmm. you're, you're dealing with a very mm-hmm. small sampling, mm-hmm. even though there's hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of businesses listed listed there. Mm-hmm. So the goal is going back to what we talked about mm-hmm. earlier to first understand what type of business is right, right. for you. And when you get that uh, solidified you, it's actually quite easy to find and buy a business because you know what type of business is right mm-hmm. for you. But those initial steps of those publicly mm-hmm. listed businesses mm-hmm. for sale, I tell people, think about this as a funnel. You're going right. to put a lot of stuff in at the top mm-hmm. and you want to squeeze out something And it the gives bottom. you a lot of great information. Well, got a lot of information and the opportunity to do something that is critical in this process, mm-hmm. which is to go out and meet with sellers face-to-face mm-hmm. and walk through the 36 questions mm-hmm. that you know we have in our material yep. that have proven themselves over mm-hmm. and over and again to be mm-hmm. successful and gets to the bottom mm-hmm. of the all the issues in a business. Right. You're able to look and say, I'm going to pick four categories. I'm going to mm-hmm. pick five sellers, and I'm going to go have a meeting with 20 sellers. And mm-hmm. it's amazing to me how many people I meet with who 
um, you'll come to us and they said they just bought their course, the, the course, and they were looking for a year for, for business. And that's why the reason why they bought it. And I always ask them in your first four months, how many offers did you make? And almost all of them say none. And if that happens and you're already on the wrong, you're already on the wrong path. Right. You're, so, you're never going to actually buy the business by the business. So they were, you know, when people are equipped and they understand the looking process, then you can start getting mm-hmm. into, um, you know, your networking with mm-hmm. attorneys, accountants, financial right. planners, business brokers. I love that you say, friend. tell your family, they if might you, know somebody. If Exactly. If mm-hmm. you are looking for a business and you're not currently working, so sometimes right. people have to keep it confidential mm-hmm. or what have you. I get right. that. It, mm-hmm. We're seeing far less of that. People are leaving mm-hmm. jobs or, or, or losing mm-hmm. their jobs and doing right. this full time. Mm-hmm. Here's what you got to do. You got to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. You got to get the word out to right. everybody mm-hmm. in every instance mm-hmm. and every opportunity. Mm-hmm. Meaning, when you go in to pick up your clothes at the dry cleaner mm-hmm. and you speak to the the owner mm-hmm. or what have you, have a chit chat. Become intel in, become mm-hmm. intellectually curious about right. their business. Ask mm-hmm. them about it. Tell mm-hmm. me your thing. Now, you may have no interest whatsoever about mm-hmm. buying a dry cleaner, but ask them about their business. What they like. What they don't like. Mm-hmm. What they find interesting. Mm-hmm. Did they buy this business? Did mm-hmm. they start this business? Do they know of somebody? Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm thinking of. They'll say, well, what type of business you want to buy? Mm-hmm. At the beginning, I have no, I have mm-hmm. no damn idea, but you're mm-hmm. going to drill, you're, you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to drill down to that. So you've got to get the word out to everybody. Mm-hmm. And going back to the original point is, you know, what you want to get to, if you can't find a business through those type of sources, mm-hmm. then you're able to do a direct solicitation. And the only way you do a direct solicitation, an effective direct solicitation is when you know what type of business is right for you. Right. If not, you're not going to send a letter mm-hmm. to 33 million uh, companies right. in America or mm-hmm. how many million there are mm-hmm. in Europe or whatever. Well, you might have five that you know. Mm-hmm. But once you know that you, through mm-hmm. your um, working on mm-hmm. your skill set and meeting with owners and understanding mm-hmm. what it takes to run these different types of business, mm-hmm. what the owner does every day, you can drill down. You follow my prescription. Mm-hmm. You will be able to drill down to know what type of business mm-hmm. is right for you. And then you could do a direct solicitation. Right. And one thing I'll give someone, your, your listeners, a good nugget, and which has proved to be, mm-hmm. we've had some crazy, crazy success with this. And we've had success. At, I shouldn't say crazy because we've had some crazy success. Mm-hmm. We've also had some very average returns mm-hmm. from anywhere from a few percent mm-hmm. to 40% response mm-hmm. rates. Wow. Mm-hmm. When you finally know what type of business is right for you and mm-hmm. you have a general understanding of geography and you want to send, uh, approach them mm-hmm. directly. Mm-hmm. Buyers in this space make the terrible mistake that they start sending emails to these people. They're not getting answered. Right. Every small business gets yeah. Bro- we see it as spam, and we're like, well, they get what's spam, and they get bombarded by <clears throat> business brokers sending these bullshit letters. Pardon mm-hmm. my 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 language. That say we have a buyer for your business and all mm-hmm. that. It's not true. They just want to get mm-hmm. a listing. But you take the solicitation, the letter that we have in recourse, mm-hmm. and it's 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 work uh, wonders. Mm-hmm. It's got just a few bullet points, mm-hmm. but you have it sent out by your attorney. Ah. And your attorney will always be happy to do it as mm-hmm. long as you pay them for the postage mm-hmm. and put it yeah. on their letterhead. Mm-hmm. Because here's what happens. Everybody opens an attorney's letter. Right. They're like, uh-oh. The only thing the, worse would be a letter from the IRS, right? The, the only one for the IRS, which, which you might you might wait a couple of days till you open that mm-hmm. one. But a lawyer's letter, everybody opens. Mm-hmm. And and and, you, and the way we You're lay curious. it out for people is, mm-hmm. right, then, well, mm-hmm. maybe am I getting sued, mm-hmm. right? So- it lays out, you know, we have a client who's who's looking for mm-hmm. business in your type of industry. Here's the three bullets or whatever you want to keep mm-hmm. it small because you don't want to rule out mm-hmm. too many. We're not representing them. You don't mm-hmm. need to pay us. Here's their contact information. Mm-hmm. Please get in touch with them. Mm-hmm. And we've had response rates up to 40%. Wow. It's unheard of. Mm-hmm. Unheard of. And so when you go up front, again, going back to the how you go about doing this, you mm-hmm. start at the beginning very mm-hmm. wide swath. Mm-hmm. But if you you have to drill down to what type of business is right for you, mm-hmm. and then you go out, you meet with owners, you mm-hmm. do your research, you speak with anybody mm-hmm. and everybody you can, you mm-hmm. keep becoming, you talk to quiz dur- mm-hmm. during business owners. I can't even tell you how many times in the 14 companies that I've purchased that it started out speaking to an owner of a business in a similar or related industry. Mm-hmm. And through my research, about the industry, the competition, what the future looks like. Mm-hmm. I found another business in a similar industry mm-hmm. or related mm-hmm. that I ended up acquiring. Right. right. I was looking at a translation business. Mm-hmm. I love the concept. It was an online translation oh, business. Okay. And, mm-hmm. that, and that lead, led me to buying a legal document preparation business. Huh. Yeah, because, you know, there's, there, it's all, it's like you said, it's the network. It's all of these little tentacles that are out there. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and so I love that. You know, and, but then of course comes the tricky part. The valuation of the business. And, you know, so many owners, especially, you know, if they've been doing this a long time, that's their baby, um, you know, and and they they always see a higher value. I mean, unless it's about to go bankrupt and you're not going to go there anyway. Um, but 
you know, so how do you get from this person is selling the most important thing in their life to a reasonable and fair cost? Because, you know, it's, it's, it needs to be fair for both sides. So I, I actually wrote a, an article this week in Forbes called Disregard the Asking Price of a Business mm-hmm. when you're buying a business. What a seller thinks their business is worth rarely has anything to do with the value. Right. It's, and it's almost it. always much higher. It's huh, not almost. It's always much higher. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of time. They have blood, sweat, tears, and beers invested in the mm-hmm. business, tons of emotion. Mm-hmm. And very often, you know, what I talk about in the article is people always ask me, how do sellers come up with their asking price? And they tell them they put on a blindfold and they throw a bunch mm-hmm. of cards right. and wherever it comes out. Or if you, gee, I, I wish I could get a half or a million need, dollars or, or whatever. Or I need $2 million to right. retire. I want to go so, buy an island. <laughs> yeah, it sounds terrific. But mm-hmm. you know what? That's not that's not mm-hmm. value and that's not realistic. And so a buyer needs to understand, forget about the asking price. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can use it at some point to get a barometer mm-hmm. of how the seller thinks about this or how did you come up with mm-hmm. your asking price, but you cannot let that influence mm-hmm. your decision because a buyer needs to establish a valuation mm-hmm. based on quantifiable information. Mm-hmm. We have, I've whittled this down. I say whittled down. There's 50 pieces that go into evaluation. We actually develop mm-hmm. an automated valuation tool that you plug wow. in the numbers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. answer these questions related to the business. And we include that in the course at a Files mm-hmm. evaluation. It's critical that the buyer's valuation must be based on facts, right. actual data, mm-hmm. and and quantifiable information mm-hmm. about the business, its threats. How long is, have mm-hmm. they been in business? What's the conditions of the financials? What are the looming mm-hmm. threats related to the competition? Mm-hmm. Um, are there what the deal terms look like? Can mm-hmm. any do you need any special licenses? Can an employee mm-hmm. quickly leave and start a competition? Mm-hmm. Can customer is there any customer concentration mm-hmm. issues? There are fifty mm-hmm. individual questions that you need mm-hmm. to answer, and I we take those answers apply certain weights mm-hmm. to them, multiply it by the, mm-hmm. um, the the profit and come up with a valuation. And, but the key thing with all of this is from the buyer's perspective, your, your valuation has to be defensible. Mm-hmm. The seller's valuation typically is not defensible at all because right. they just mm-hmm. picked it out at a rear mm-hmm. end. Okay, for whatever reason, they may have had a little influence from a broker and accountant, but it's right. but it doesn't reflect the market. Mm-hmm. And a buyer needs to understand that the price of the business is what it's worth to you mm-hmm. as the buyer and your value. And right. it's nice to have win-win, but the reality mm-hmm. it doesn't work in these scenarios. The buyer is taking the majority of risk mm-hmm. in acquiring a business, right. regardless of the deal mm-hmm. terms, even with large uh, seller deal terms. So win-win goes out the door. Mm-hmm. The, the, the philosophy is the buyer wins, the seller is reasonably happy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the valuation, again, the key things are mm-hmm. it's got, you don't want to pull these rules of thumbs. Mm-hmm. You know, people use rules of thumb. I always say rules of thumb are dumb because no two businesses are exactly right. the same. Yeah. But, I mean, so it's need- nice to know competition, but. Yeah, I mean, it gives you a bit of a parameter, but you, mm-hmm. that's not the basis because mm-hmm. you have to do it based on the facts on the ground, mm-hmm. right? What is the bus- What are the mm-hmm. fundamentals to the mm-hmm. business? What are it, it, you know potential issues mm-hmm. that could come up? What are the strengths, weaknesses? Mm-hmm. And it's not a SWOT. Mm-hmm. Um, grid uh, um, um, process. Mm-hmm. It's much deeper than that. Some of those pieces weigh into the equation, right. but the, the goal being is it's quantifiable, mm-hmm. it's defensible, mm-hmm. and you make the determination. Right. Similarly, if you find a business that make, meets all your criteria and it's, it's it's the right business for you, if you all the benefits that it's going to derive, mm-hmm. um, you know, that you're going to help the lives of other, increase your financial mm-hmm. situation, um, be able to keep in mind mm-hmm. for every dollar of value that you add into the business, you probably get four afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so all these things, so you have to also be prepared to pay a premium mm-hmm. for a really good business. Right. You know, a, cheap, a garbage business, never cheap enough, but a good mm-hmm. business, be prepared to pay mm-hmm. a premium right. because it's going to provide you with a platform mm-hmm. for your life. Mm-hmm. And like we said, it's, it is established. Yeah. You know, all of that is already in place. And what Value. you're doing then is growing it. It's growing it. And also you want to make sure during, that it's a business that's going to mm-hmm. transition well to you. We talked about this. You know, growth is very sexy, mm-hmm. but stability is valuable. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that when you take over the business, mm-hmm. when, you, when I say you, you want to make sure, mm-hmm. it's through your research and your mm-hmm. homework and putting, you know, right. um, the, the proper conditions, terms in place mm-hmm. related to the to, to the deal, sometimes mm-hmm. the performance-based deal. But you want to make sure the business, mm-hmm. all things remaining status quo, status quo mm-hmm. that the business is going to continue the same. Right. With you as the new owner, you learn it, and then you can grow it. Right. And maybe sell it. <laughs> oh, well, absolutely. I've sold a bunch of them. And the nice thing with selling them, for every dollar value add, you get a multiple mm-hmm. of that. Right. I mean, it's, and sometimes you run them for your whole life and then mm-hmm. sell it and you want to run the business like mm-hmm. you have to sell it. Mm-hmm. But there's all these incredible benefits that come, mm-hmm. you know, that come along for the ride right. through business ownership. Right. Well, oh my gosh, Richard, we've only got a couple minutes left. And 
we didn't talk about the Ten Commandments or the Golden Rule. We didn't talk about why you need to worry about profit and not the sexy product. Um, uh, we didn't talk about independent versus franchise, which means that, yes, people need to get your information to find all of that out. But it also means we need to have you on again. So hopefully we will be able to do that because there is there's so much more to be talking about. Um, like I said, the book's over 500 pages. Um, and, and it's because there is so much detail. And I think the thing that I came away with was this is not a quick, easy process. You know, when you're thinking about this, you need to be prepared that it's going to take a lot of time and inner reflection, all sorts of things like that to um, really decide if this is what you want to do. And and so folks, if you're just wanting the easy way out, stay the employee. Um, yeah, stay the employee. And, and you know, it does, if you do this the right way, it should take you six months. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I've read people taking years. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. I, I, you know, I laid out in a way that it really well, should take and, six and months. And it is about, home. you know, how do you determine right away? what the right business is or are you just throwing darts at the dartboard and hoping well, if, something hits well if you throw the, the majority of people and that's why 90 mm-hmm. percent don't complete a transaction because right. they're throwing darts and they don't yeah. go oh that sounded good oh that yeah. sounded good it sounded yeah. great. They're all over the place and it's there they have the too quick to click syndrome too quick mm-hmm. to click so they're all mm-hmm. over the internet right but if you do this in a methodical mm-hmm. manner it should take you mm-hmm. you educate yourself mm-hmm. and, and you ramp yourself up to become mm-hmm. a, a an expert in this because mm-hmm. you can't follow the material right. you can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Takes four months to find it, a month to negotiate, a month to do the due diligence and close it. So you right. really can do it in six months mm-hmm. without question if you do mm-hmm. this the right way. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to come back and talk about the golden rules mm-hmm. and the Ten Commandments and you know franchises mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. Um, versus independent right. businesses. I hope mm-hmm. you'll have me back because you're oh, yeah. you're a good you're a you're a good study. And I, I love the fact that you read the materials. I I, I greatly I didn't appreciate read it in it. depth. But you know, you know is it? I think to... you'll find. Mm-hmm. I think I think you'll find the you know mm-hmm. it's an easy read because mm-hmm. I write the way I talk. And so it's not like Harvard textbook. This is this is real world, um, uh, real world information. Definitely. And and the other thing that we didn't talk about is what if you're on the other side? You know, how do you make it a business (laughs) that somebody wants to buy? Um, You know, and and uh, because, you know, I'm I'm me. My business is me. You know, nobody's going to buy it. But, you know, what if I have a this they is may. true, you know. And, they may. And- so there's three things related to businesses where, from the selling part, and we can go into it in another time because mm-hmm. there really are a few bumper stickers that people should do in their business today that'll not only make their business better today, mm-hmm. it'll make it more valuable when the time comes right. to sell. And those are, you know, you you you, you need to look at this for the inverse. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if if you want to, if you have a business you want to sell, you want to look mm-hmm. at it through the lens of a buyer right. because mm-hmm. what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And if you put some of those components into place mm-hmm. right away, like, you know, run it, like mm-hmm. you have to sell it, what keeps mm-hmm. you up at night, God forbid, right. what happens, you get hit by a Pepsi truck, mm-hmm. what happens to the business, mm-hmm. those type of things, you get those things in place, mm-hmm. it makes your business more valuable, right. infinitely more valuable. Well, and, you know, things do happen, you know, and, and so if you have a business and your heirs have to sell it, you know, you want it to be something good for them, um, you know, and, and so that's all part of this process. Correct. But, oh my gosh, Richard, this really has been absolutely fascinating, but tell people how they find you and connect with you. And then what are the services that you provide? The easiest way is go to richardparker.com. Richardparker.com. I've got hundreds of free articles, mm-hmm. reports, what have you. They can learn about the process of buying mm-hmm. a business from there if they're interested. Um, you know, our courses, there's the courses available um, mm-hmm. on the site. And, um, and they'll, and, and they'll allow, they get themselves immersed in the world of buying business. And I think that leads to the answer to your second question, mm-hmm. which is, you know, how, how people think about this or, or parting words, if you mm-hmm. will, which is, you know, I fundamentally believe, and I've seen it uh, repeatedly over the years, if you have any inclination to get into the world of entrepreneurship, whether you're working now or you're unemployed or what have you, you, you owe it to yourself to learn about what's out there and what are the options that are available to you. Now you may do some or none of them. But at the very least, you owe it to yourself to go through the process to find out what's involved. Because one of the things you brought up earlier is the cost of purchasing a business. Many people think that, oh, this is only for big company or deep-pocketed people. And nothing could be further from the truth because the amount of leverage that you can get through various um, uh, lending institutions, but seller financing, and 91% of our clients finance their deal through the seller, not 100% of it, but a a massive component of it. And so, again, it comes back to learn about these things. 
Find out what's involved with buying a business. Read the articles. If it makes sense for you, buy the course. I'm not making this pitch to buying the course, but if it makes sense for you and you want to proceed with it, get your hands on the information and go through the process and make the determination. I think people will find in short order that, hey, this is doable. I can, this is real. I, I can realize this dream. I could make this happen. This is not just for rich folks. This is really something that I can, I, I can, I can actualize. And so the intimidation factor or the disregarding factor thing, I can't do it. Or, you know, this is not this is way above my pay scale is so wrong. I'm a guy from a lower middle class background with no fancy education, never went to university. I'm by no means the, the sharpest tool in the shed. I know this little world of buying businesses. And I can assure you that if a dumb guy like me can do this over and over and over again successfully, anybody could do this. Oh my gosh. What a fabulous way to end the program. You know, like I said, this has been fascinating. We will have you on again because you have so much great information to to share with people. But until then, I'm Deb Creer. I've been speaking with Richard Parker. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.